We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined today by the one and only Mike Focci. Mike, what's going on? Nothing much, brother. Nothing much. My favorite time of the week, talking Pacer basketball. We got a fun episode for you. Not only do we have a guest, but we're bouncing around some trade ideas. In the offseason, why not? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm surprised you didn't call me out there for calling you Mike, man. I always call you I- Focci. I thought about it. That is not common for me to be called Mike no. or Michael <laughs> or anything of the sort. I have been Fachi my whole entire life, and I imagine that's probably how it's going to stay. Yeah, so I I, I got to go back to Fachi. It felt abs- absolutely weird calling you Mike. But um, first and foremost, I just want to thank all of our new listeners and subscribers to Setting the Pace. I know that we've got some new ones uh, from the J. Michael podcast, so I've had some people commenting, messaging me, saying, Hey, I've been listening since that J. Michael podcast. Really enjoy it. So I just want to say thank you personally for joining us on Setting the Pace and uh, being a part of our show because without you guys, this show is nothing. And um, we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being on board with us. And we're excited for this offseason. A lot of things coming up, Fosh. A lot of changes for this Pacers team. A lot of changes. Sometimes changes for the better. And I think in this instance, at least from a head coaching standpoint, I think we're all on agreement that a change needed to be made. Seems like the McMillan crowd is uh, either silent or they don't own social media. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I guess I was part of that crowd, but I understood the firing. I understood the extension too. I understood everything they did. So. I'm on board with it. I'm excited for a new coach. I think it was time. But, Fachi, we have um, a little thing here we're going to do. We're going to bring up five or six trades. I I came up with a bonus one. I was only supposed to do two, but I came up with a third one just for a bonus. So we're going to do six trades that we would, you know, just for fun, throw out there some different trade ideas for this Pacers team going forward. Um, Would you like to unveil our list first, or would you like to go through the uh, replies that we got on social media um, with some of their trade ideas, or do you want to save that until the end of the segment? No. I think let's let's have some fun. Let's do that now. Let's go to we got some great replies uh, from uh, some of our followers, listeners, whatever you want to call it, and uh, like to hear your thoughts on those as well. Okay, so first up we have rebooted Drew. He uh, he posted a picture of a of a trade from TradeNBA.com where it says the Pacers get Tyler Hero, Kyle Kuzma, and the reunion of Solomon Hill. The Miami Heat get Danny Green, Edmund Sumner, and a 2020 first round pick from the Lakers, and the Lakers get Victor Oladipo. So Fachi. Uh, when I first see this trade on my phone here, I'm thinking, why would the Miami Heat do this? Um, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on this trade. 
So the Pacers get Tyler Hero, Solomon Hill, and Kyle Kuzma, right? Uh-huh. Yep, for Victor. And you're basically. talking about, and we give up Victor. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I like it. For us, I, yes. <laughs> I, I feel like Victor is probably gone. Tyler Hero is someone who I liked going into last year's draft. I didn't think the Pacers were going to be able to get him, but I hoped that he'd be able to slide. Solomon Hill, a little little reunion there, but, you know, I actually I could have sworn that that contract actually expires this year. I believe yeah. it does. It's either this I year or next got, year, but it's it's been a while. It might be this year. I think all those I 2016 contracts are coming exactly, to an end. Exactly, yeah. exactly. One of those overpaid contracts from 2016 – and Kyle Kuzma. Kuzma had a great point. Look, Kuzma gets ripped apart from a lot of people, sometimes deservedly so. But the man is playing behind LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like, that's that's a, that's pretty hard to get yours in there. So I feel like Kuzma could use a new setting. If the Pacers can somehow walk away with Tyler Hero, Solomon Hill, and Kyle Kuzma for Victor Oladipo, who probably isn't coming back, Alex, you're going to have to count me in on that. Yeah, well, I really like Tyler Hero, and I think what he's shown in the playoffs is that he has no fear. He takes big None. shots. He hit a ton of big shots in Game Three against, or no, Game Four against the Bucks the other night. Even though they came up short, he had like three dagger threes to put them back up, tie the game. He was unbelievable. So for me personally, like if I'm the Miami Heat, though, why in the world would I trade Tyler Hero for Danny Green? Edmund Sumner and a twenty second and a twenty twenty two first round pick from the Lakers. There's no way I'm doing that trade. If I'm Alex, the heat. <laughs> there is no way that the Miami no. Heat are doing that deal. Look, I love that deal. That's a deal that you make for yourself in 2K, and you have a fun team. There is no way the Miami Heat is trading Tyler Hero. I feel like they really value him as a player, and it, it just feels like that's one of those deals where the Pacers just come out on top just big time. I mean, obviously, Oladipo <laughs> is the best player in that deal, yeah. Uh, him going to Lakers would be it would be a big deal, but it just feels like there's really no incentive for Miami, especially when that first round pick is a 2022 first round pick, and it's probably going to be a late first round pick, very right. late. Yeah, well, let's move on. We don't have all time all day to do that trade, so we're going to move on here. And this is a complex trade from uh, Fake Matt Beckham, and he sent a four team trade involving the Pacers, Wizards, Knicks, and Warriors. So. Listen up, this is a lot. So the Pacers are going to acquire Bradley Beal, R.J. Barrett, the 2020 first-round pick from the Knicks and the 2020 first-round pick from the Wizards. The Wizards are going to get Julius Randle, Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nilakina, uh the 2021 first-round pick. I'm not sure who or I'm not sure who that's from. It doesn't say. And then it looks like the they, they're going to get the Warriors first-round pick. Uh, for this season. And then the Knicks are going to get Draymond Green and Victor Oladipo. And then it looks like the Warriors are going to get Miles Turner. So basically the Warriors give up the or the second overall pick and Draymond Green for Miles Turner. Oh, okay, this is a Warriors 2021 first-round pick. So they're giving up two picks and Draymond Green just for Miles Turner uh, to the Knicks, which makes zero sense. Uh, Oladipo is basically going to the uh, Wizards or to the Knicks for Dennis Smith Jr. and Julius Randle, who will be going to the Wizards. And then the Pacers get Beal and R.J. Barrett. So this is extremely one-sided for the Pacers and the Knicks. Uh, awful deal that will never happen, Fachi. <laughs> never. I, I honestly didn't want to laugh into the microphone. There is no way that the Warriors do that deal. It's a fun trade for the Pacers, but... 
trading the number two overall pick and a future first for Miles Turner. I mean, and Draymond Green, <laughs> and Draymond Green. Like, look, we like Miles Turner, but I don't think that teams are valuing valuing him as the number two overall pick and a former Defensive Player of the Year and another first round pick for the Knicks. I feel like you probably do do that deal just because. They can be relevant again. You'll have Draymond and Oladipo, two guys that probably wouldn't pick the Knicks in free agency. Um, the Wizards, everybody just kind of gets like, you know, the scraps dumped on them, but they get the number one overall pick. So I feel like a uh, number two overall pick. So they would be happy for the Pacers. I mean, I love that. You're getting Bradley Beal, an absolute stud. R.J. Barrett, who I feel like needs more time. Can't judge him off of, you know, just a rookie year. I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, and then you're getting the eighth and the ninth pick. I mean, that would just be like endless potential to build the team the way you want it. So that's a deal. If I'm the Pacers, I pull that deal. I pull trigger on that in a heartbeat. Yeah. But there is no way the Warriors cooperate. It's a it's a fun trade. It's creative, but yeah, the Warriors definitely would need a lot more back in that in that scenario. Maybe they get some of those picks the Pacers got. I think the Pacers would be completely fine with getting R.J. Barrett and Bradley Beal without the picks. Maybe you could send those picks over to the Warriors, and that might sweeten the deal, but I doubt it. So, anyway, let's move on. The next one is from Sergox14. This is uh, Dan. He wants to know what we would think about Turner and McDermott and maybe a pick for Buddy Hield and Harry Giles. I, I think that trade makes a lot more sense, and that's more realistic. Ding, ding. I feel like we finally have a winner. That feels like a trade that is mutually beneficial for both teams. I feel like... That that's something where no one can say, oh, there's no way they're not going to do that, or there's no way they're going to, you know. I feel like that's a pretty fair deal. Harry Giles kind of feels like I don't want to say untapped potential if you can get anything left from those knees, but a former number one overall recruit to Duke. I mean, the man was a stud just a few years back. He's shown flashes, but he healed. I love me some Buddy Healed. He'll be coming up again later in this show. So I like that trade. Thoughts? Well, yeah, I like it too. I like Buddy Hield a lot. I think if the Pacers are going to play a more up-tempo style, he'd be a really nice piece to add to this roster. And uh, I think the Pacers could use more more scoring wings for sure. And, um, you know, he's unhappy. Harry Giles is somebody that the Pacers could have drafted as well. Um, I think he fell after them in the 2017 draft. So just a little bit of uh, knowledge there from that previous draft class. But, yeah, I mean, this is a solid deal. Um I mean, Turner would be pretty good in Sacramento. They don't have a center. And McDermott, of course, you lose that three-point shooting, but you get that back in Buddy Heald. So, yeah, I like it. So let's move on. We don't have a ton of time here. So next up, we've got Adam Ripberger. He wants to know, uh, what about Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and Turner to Boston for Gordon Hayward? And then he goes, well, maybe take out Holiday. Maybe just do Lamb and Turner if the salaries work for Gordon Hayward. What are your thoughts on that? If it's Lamb and Turner... I like that deal. Uh, the thing is, is Justin Holiday is a free agent, so I don't think that Holiday would be able to be included in that deal. It have to be a sign trade. Get yeah. gets a little messy at that point. But if the trade just happens to be Lamb and Turner straight up for Gordon Hayward, you're getting Hayward for only one year. But I feel like you're getting a really good player who's going to be open to re-signing with the Pacers. Now, what he re-signs for. I don't know. We talked about it last episode. Could be a big contract, but I feel like you're getting a very productive player that would, would I imagine, want to be there. Um, and if it doesn't work out, I mean, you did clear cap for uh, you know the two years for Jeremy Lamb and the three remaining years for Miles Turner. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's it's an interesting trade. I said last week, I don't know if I would want to trade two guys that are in their mid-20s for a guy that's in his early 30s. That's my only, you know, worry about this. And Gordon Hayward, ever since that injury, he's had other injuries that have kind of held him back. So if he can't stay on the floor, you already got Brogdon, who's injury-prone. Sabonis with the fasciitis. We'll see how that plays out throughout his career. Um, Oladipo, obviously, not being dealt in this trade. So he's got injury problems. Well, he's still recovering from his injuries. So it just makes you a little nervous. But, of course, in this trade, you're getting rid of Jeremy Lamb, who is coming back from an injury, and Turner, who really hasn't had a major injury his entire career. So makes a lot of sense. But I don't know if Boston would even do it because, personally, Daniel Tice has been really good for them at center. And it might make them not want to pull the trigger on giving up on one more year of Hayward while they still have this team together with these guys like Tatum and Brown on cheaper contracts um, until next season. So I don't know. I I think that they might just suck it up for one year and then move on from Gordon. So let's move on here, Futch. Um, This is CD underscore Faree. It's Caleb Faree. He wants to know, uh, or he says he would do anything that involves getting Karis LeVert. I think he might be coming up later. And um, he said, other than that, one that I like is Cam Reddish, Dwayne Dedman, and the sixth overall pick from the Atlanta Hawks for Victor Oladipo. What are your thoughts on that trade? I love it. I mean, Cam Reddish, I think, is going to be very good. Cam Reddish was the number two overall recruit ahead of Zion in college. I think that he needs some time to develop. Um, So you're talking about the sixth overall pick, Cam Reddish, and wasn't there one more player in there? Yeah, it was um, Dwayne Dedman. Dwayne Dedman, solid big man, you know, backup he, center. Improved. Yeah, exactly. He's improved the last few years. For it was Oladipo, and was there someone else? Nope, just Oladipo, straight up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm doing that deal. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that that the Hawks are, but uh, yeah. I'm definitely intrigued on that. Uh, would Oladipo resign there? That's a whole different <laughs> argument for another day. Not our problem if he doesn't want to stay in Atlanta. But uh, the sixth overall pick and Cam Reddish, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, Rhett Bauer, one of our faithful listeners, he said, I doubt they send uh, six and Reddish, but I'd be ecstatic mm-hmm. to get Reddish. So I think I share oh, yeah. those same sentiments. But let's move on. Um, we're going to go to BS Express here. He just basically said, how about no trades idea? Until we know who is going to coach his team, talking trades is near worthless. We have tons of talent that has been wasted. Trading them now is pointless. Hey, you know what? Some people really do feel this way. I know that we are going to give up some trade ideas here in a few minutes, but maybe maybe you bring in a coach that's not going to play a D'Antoni style. You maybe bring in a Dan Craig from Miami like we've talked about, and maybe he comes in and says, hey, I want to really win with defense and that heat culture and bring it here to Indiana. Maybe they can figure things out with this core. They just ride it out and see what they have until Oladipo make a, makes a decision and uh, see what these guys can do to maximize this talent come playoff time. I mean, if you don't want to trade, I mean, that's not a bad stance, Foch. I mean, everybody is entitled to their own opinion. Of course, now they are. And uh, hey, BS Express, I don't, uh, I don't blame you one bit because at the same point, we never got to see this team fully healthy. Yeah. We never did. I mean, when one guy returned, another guy went out, and it was a revolving door of of injuries. Whether it was you know ruptured quads or plantar fasciitis, there was whatever it was. There were so many different injuries this year. We never got to see the full potential of the Pacers. So, sure, I I bet there is a crowd that's like, hey, why don't we just bring back the same team healthy and go one more run at it? But, you know, to to have some fun on the show, I I figured we'd explore a couple ideas that could enhance this team. And if they don't happen, hey, a fallback option, 
we bring back the same guys that are under contract. Absolutely. So we got two more trades here that I want to get into. Maybe three, actually. Three trades. Um, this is from JLH0215. He said it's a three-team deal. He said the Warriors get DeMontis Sabonis. The Wizards get Golden State's first-round pick, Victor Oladipo, and Doug McDermott. And the Pacers get Bradley Beal. Fachi, um, let me ask you guys. I think the Warriors do this trade, and I think the Pacers, I don't know if they give up on Sabonis, but uh, they might. And um, I, I just the Wizards getting that first-round pick and Oladipo for Beal would be enticing. I just don't think they're going to move on from Bradley Beal. I just don't see it. I I don't see it either. I I live here in D.C., and I'm telling you, Bradley Beal, they they very much value him. They they pitch to him of being the guy who's going to be, you know, potentially their all-time leading scorer. You're going to have his jersey retired in there. I mean, Bradley Beal is one of the few guys to sign an early extension. I don't think they're letting him go. Um, The idea of getting rid of Sabonis, I don't like that either, but... I mean, it's an interesting trade. I could see how, you know, if the Wizards did get that number two overall pick and Oladipo and McDermott, it, it's a good package. It is. Mm-hmm. But Oladipo probably walks. You're probably left with, you know, this year's draft class. It's not what it was of years past. The number two overall pick in this draft is not a sure thing. Right. So for the Wizards, you know, where you're already not selling tickets, I feel like you're probably going to stick with Beal. And for the Pacers, I don't know if Sabonis is the guy you want to get rid of. Yeah. I mean, if they traded Turner in this deal, I think the I think the, the Warriors would be more apt to, you know, give up that second second overall pick for either center just because Fit, they're going to get their a team proven, better. Yeah, it's going to be a proven, uh, you know, a proven guy, and they don't have to worry about trying to develop a young guy. I mean, and Turner's on a good contract as well. And then maybe, you know, instead of giving that first pick or that second overall pick for this draft, maybe they give up that one they got in the uh, D'Angelo Russell trade that involves um, the the Timberwolves' top three protective pick, I believe it is, something like that. Mm -hmm. So they could maybe trade that pick instead. That might be more enticing. But, yeah, good idea. Not sure that Washington goes for it, and I don't think the Pacers would trade Sabonis. Just my opinion. So um, we've got two more here, Fox. Let's move on. Rhett Bauer. We mentioned him earlier. He said Oladipo for Kelly Oubre, Frank Kaminsky, and the 10th overall pick. Um, I actually don't think that's a bad idea, Rhett. That's, a, that's pretty pretty good, considering we're not sure if Oladipo is going to stay or not. Honestly, I, I, I apologize to those of you who feel like you know we're tossing Oladipo's name here left and right. But, guys, the outlook is not great yeah. for him returning and also – returning as the same player he was before. Kelly Oubre is a pretty good up-and-coming player. I mean, if you guys haven't looked at it, take a look at his stats. He's improved his scoring every single year, and his field goal percentage has gone up each year. Kelly Oubre is a pretty good player, and you're also getting the 10th overall pick, which, you know, hey, I mean, when was the last time the Pacers had a, a, a good young player that they can develop like that when i think of 10th overall picks i think of paul george i'm not yep. going to compare them but i'm just saying that was the last time they had a top 10 pick uh it'd be nice to have someone young to develop and then you get frank kaminsky you know he's he's a filler he is what he is you know he'll he'll provide some depth though so i i feel like phoenix they they could do that because Ubre is not signed to a long-term deal i believe this is just it i think it's just this year so there's a little bit of worry that he could leave but Phoenix is desperately trying to get into the playoffs. So 
I think yeah. it's kind of a mutually beneficial trade. Well, and with the development of McCall Bridge as that small forward, they really don't have a mm-hmm. s- great spot for Uber to get a ton of minutes. And, you know, then that kind of puts into question, well, where does Oladipo fit with Devin Booker and McCall Bridges and Ricky Rubio and that backcourt? So I'm not really sure if Oladipo and Booker would be a great backcourt. Maybe they would if you go point Booker. I'm not sure how they would do that, but um, they could go small and play both of them at the wings and move McCall Bridges to the four. But I don't even know if I like that either. So, yeah, it's a good idea. I just don't know if that makes a ton of sense, but... um, yeah, I, I like the idea, though, Rhett. And so moving on, last one, uh, my man David Cole, uh, faithful listener to the show, good friend of mine, was in my wedding. He said, on 2K, I decided to try to see who I could get for Vic and Miles. He said, I ended up getting Zach Levine and Brandon Clark. He goes, seems way better than our real-life options. I mean, hey, if you give up Vic and Miles and get Zach Levine and Brandon Clark back, I think every Pacer fan would be excited about that one. I think so. Honestly, Brandon Clark is someone who could have helped this team big time this year. Um, I believe that Clark was picked, was it right after Goga? I believe it was, or right? It was a couple was within... picks after. It was a couple picks okay, after, so, yeah. Because I think he was like 19th or 20th, and Goga was 18th. So I like Brandon Clark's game a lot. Zach Levine, I mean, this is a man who is in his prime right now. He is as much of a fringe all-star as it gets. Hasn't quite gotten the nod yet, but you know he's right on the cusp. If Chicago had more wins, I feel like he's probably an all-star. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Like, that was my whole thing. It's like, yeah, it's putting up good numbers on a really bad team. But, he, Mm -hmm. I mean, that can also be a problem, too, because, like, he's the only real option they had all year long. And Zach Levine, to me, if you put him on the right team with, with a winning culture, I mean, he's been a part of a losing Minnesota team, a losing Chicago team. What would he be like on a winner? I'm kind of intrigued by Zach Levine as a as a guy the Pacers could go out and get. And uh, I'll get to him later in my in my trade just because I'm curious. But all right, Vodge, let's kind of just reset here. We're going to take a quick 10-second break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. All right, everybody, we are back, and we are going to give our trade ideas that we've come up with. And so this might just, you know, this is just talk. We're just having fun. There's no rumors to this. We're just getting out here, having some fun with the offseason and throwing out some ideas. And if you like them, let us know. If you hate them, let us know. This is all just fun, so don't take it too serious. Just relax and have fun with it. So, Fachi, I'm going to let you go first. Your first trade, what do you got? Sure. For my first trade, it's a guy that I- – I don't know. I'm I'm infatuated with him. I feel like from watching the games in the bubble, Carice Levert and this whoa, situation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do you keep calling him Carice? Uh, that's just how I say it. Karis. 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 I you. always say Carice Levert. <laughs> Karis Levert for Victor Oladipo. And just to make the salary right, they're going to throw in Nicholas Claxton or Ronnie Crooks. So – those guys are kind of throw-ins. Claxton honestly started to play really well towards the end of the year, uh, well before the the restart. Um, so I think that you know there's a there's a little bit of potential there. But for Levert, I really like him. He signed to a very friendly deal moving forward. Uh, his salary is going to be 16 million, so it's under the 20 million that Oladipo is going to be making. You're getting a younger playmaker right over there. You can play the two or three. You can play some point guard. Uh, not really playing as much as the three, but he he, he can play a, a variety of positions. I feel like this is a guy who's really coming into his own now and does not fit in Brooklyn. I think he's going to be someone that they're picking up the phones and you know seeing what can they get for him. And I feel like if the Pacers can come around, 
offering Oladipo, I think that's a player that fits the Nets to win now. Yeah, no, it does. And I think one thing that you have to think about when trading Oladipo, the team that's going to trade for him is going to want to have the ability to woo him to stay, right? That's a big fear. Oh, we're going to bring a guy in, but he could leave us. So why would a team trade for a guy that's on an expiring contract? Well, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you're in championship you know, mode right now. And Karis LeVert, he's, he played really well in the bubble. He's going to draw suitors. So, yeah, I think definitely there's going to be teams that are interested in Karis LeVert. Oladipo is a big name, though. And, and if you can get Oladipo to be paired up with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I think that I think Oladipo would fit in seamlessly with them because he, he's going to know, hey, this is their team. I'm coming here just to be a part of it. I want to win. I haven't really had a major chance to win in my life. And he's only made the playoffs twice in his entire career. So this gives him a legitimate chance to win. Now, would Brooklyn re-sign him and pay him a bunch of money? That's the question going forward. I don't know if they'd have all that money to, to sign him, but I'm, figure, I'm, I'm sure they'd figure something out if he was a really great third part of that team, kind of like uh, Clay Thompson was with Steph and Durant with Golden State. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, Karis LeVert is a very special player, and they could probably figure it out in, in Brooklyn with Karis. But I just don't know if his game necessarily complements the other two guys, the other two stars there in Kyrie and, and Durant. And, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for it. I mean, if you're going to get rid of Oladipo because you feel like he's leaving, Karis LeVert's a great guy to pick up because he's a, he's a special player. He is. He's younger. He was meant to be a pacer, as we saw on draft night in the trade. But, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I know we'll see that <laughs> picture floated around for probably for years to come. But uh, at the same point, that was my first deal. We'd love to hear yours. All right. So uh, going back a little bit, we read some fan trades before, and I'm going to do an Indiana Pacers-Golden State Warriors trade here, Fachi. So it's going to be Andrew Wiggins. Yes, Andrew Wiggins. I'm sorry, Pacer fans. In the 2021 Minnesota pick from Golden State for Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and the uh, the rights to swap uh, 2022 picks with us. So basically, if they're like the 28, 28th pick in the draft and we're the 21st, they have the rights to swap with us. But we're going to get that 2021 Minnesota pick, which is very, very important. That's why they made the deal for Wiggins in the first place. And, you know, you, you give them a, a guy that probably fits their system better with Miles Turner at the center, and the Pacers can use could use a wing. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is the definition of inconsistency, right? But, um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, think, I think that Wiggins could be, you know, a playable guy. Obviously, he's making too much money. There's not too much left on his deal. I think he only has two years left. Three. Uh, three years left. Okay, so... But if you've got picks, you could trade those picks and get assets for them, Foch. So, I mean, that 2021 Minnesota pick to me personally, it's going to be super valuable up until they make that draft pick, right? So they could have that sitting in the bag. They have Oladipo still on their uh, roster. So if they could package Oladipo and Wiggins with that pick for somebody, now you got something to talk about. So that's kind of where I'm thinking if you get Andrew Wiggins, you could basically – tie his contract with Oladipo in that 2021 pick and get a star that you might want uh, if there's a star available. Just my thoughts on that. It's interesting. Wiggins, the player, you know, it feels like people have written him off for so long. The guy is 24 years old, so I just feel like he's still so young. The money that he's making is the sickening part. So I feel like he's a good player that in a change of scenery, I honestly feel like, could could deliver for the Pacers. It's just a matter of that contract. I go back and forth on that. 
but the, the tipping scale could be that pick that you mentioned because yeah. I saw I saw an updated rankings. You know, just some people on Twitter predicting where the Minnesota Timberwolves can finish next year, and they had them at fifteenth in the West. I yeah. couldn't believe it, but then I looked at the teams above them, and it was hard to argue. It is. I, the West That's why it's so stacked. good. <laughs> it's stacked. I don't know how the Timberwolves are going to be able to get better even having the number one overall pick and D'Angelo Russell and Towns. It's just, oh, my God. I mean, I sometimes I'm a sucker for a mystery box. Mm-hmm. And if that pick is top three, top five, I'm intrigued. Yeah. That's kind of the only way you're really able to lure a star to Indiana is to be able to get them to the draft or maybe through trade. And people aren't typically trading top five players once they've been drafted. Mm-hmm. So you might have to have that pick. I, I'm not against that trade, Alex. I'm still a little bit on the fence about that Wiggins contract, though. It, yeah, it does, but, does keep me up at night. But look, if you think that the next, if you think the 2021 draft is going to be really good, or you think that it's going to be much better than this year's draft, which is obviously the case for most people that are covering this yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. You know, would would Golden State do it? That's the question. I don't know if they would, but you know, if they get Miles Turner, someone who's on a cheap contract. They get another shooter in Doug McDermott, and then they get a 2022 pick from the Pacers. Whether it's a pick swap or not, that's a draft where you could see all those high school players involved. So they might mm-hmm. want to move up because that's like two drafts in one, right? So if they can move up like 10 spots, they might feel really comfortable make, making that trade. And with Andrew Wiggins, it's like, you know, he actually played decent when he got traded to Golden State. It wasn't like it was great, but he played pretty good. You know, he's, he's hit some big shots. I, I think that... With the right culture, with a winning culture, with a winning team, he could figure it out. Now, I don't think him and T.J. Warren would be a great fit together. So you'd have to figure something out. You might even have to bring him off the bench, you know. But at this point in his career, Andrew Wiggins is just should be happy he's making that money, right? And that's oh, why yeah. I say, you know, if you could basically package him and Oladipo for a, for a star with that pick, I mean, who knows? But if there's a great player in that draft, too, you could be hitting on a great young player, for the future, but the Pacers have never really traded for a lottery level pick. It'd be something totally different that they've never done. So that's why I wouldn't buy it too much. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that. I just think it's an interesting trade. But let's move on. You've got uh, you got two more trades. Fox, what you got? I do. So moving to my next trade, a man that I told you would come up again in this episode, Buddy Heald, and we're talking about a deal involving the Pacers and the Kings, Buddy Heald and Rashawn Holmes. For Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and TJ Leaf. The salaries match up. Leaf is the throw-in. He's got to leave town. I feel like he just needs a new home. And I wish him the best. McDermott, I've just, I've had enough. A good shooter is always valued, especially when you're giving up Buddy Heald. And you can pair Miles Turner with Marvin Bagley. I feel like it gives you a or you got De'Aaron Fox, you got Marvin Bagley, you got Miles Turner over there. Uh, the Kings, they're not going anywhere anytime soon, so you get to unload that Buddy Heald contract. So Miles Turner contract is more appealing than that. McDermott is going to expire after next year. TJ Leaf, they get to roll the dice on. Uh, still a young player that could get better. Rashawn Holmes, not bad. Not a yeah. bad player. Provides some depth. You know, he, he's, we're not going to expect much out of him. But this brings heel to the Pacers. What do you think of that move, Alex? 
Yeah, I like Buddy Hood a lot, and I think that you know he is a little bit older than Turner by a couple of years. So the the Kings would be interested maybe in getting a younger player back. And Buddy Hield's obviously not happy, like we've mentioned, and like Buddy Hield's mentioned several times in uh, comments. You know, he's just he wasn't very happy. And when it took him a while to give him the uh, the extension, he wasn't very happy about that either. So Buddy Hield's just a very disgruntled player, and uh, the Pacers love going after guys that feel like they've been shafted, right? So you go after a guy like Buddy Hield, who's like, I want to prove something. Put him on this Pacers team. Figure out a way, because what I would do is maybe start him, but figure out a way to play him with the second unit a little bit more to be that scorer with the second mm-hmm. unit. Because if you got Oladipo, you got Brogdon, you got Sabonis, you got Warren, you're not going to have enough you know, touches for everybody. And you're going to have to stagger those minutes. And we saw Sabonis really thrive with the second unit. But I think Buddy Heald could thrive with that second unit. Uh, maybe start him like the first six minutes of the first quarter, then bring him back in in the second quarter to go in for Oladipo or whoever. And uh, just let him get some get some extra minutes, play a little bit of a smaller rotation. But yeah, I, I like Buddy Hield a lot. Rashawn Holmes would be a really solid backup center. You know that way you don't have to count on Goga to be that guy if you do move on from Turner, because that's probably one of the biggest fears. Is well, are we sure Goga's ready? Maybe not. So maybe you go out and get Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I like it, Fachi. I would um I would probably do it. But um, don't give up on McDermott yet because it's all about the offensive style too. It's been frustrating in the playoffs, but if they can get a guy that runs more modern offense where they're just shooting threes, I really think that he could benefit from that. Alex, McDermott's averaging two more points per game in the playoffs than I am. I'm sick of it. It's just disgusting. Under so, what coach? Know, under what coach? Uh, yeah, under Nate. Under Nate. So, Did you, you watch know, the offense? bringing it. Of course, yes. Of course, we bring in another coach. You know, a guy like Dan Tony. I imagine McDermott will prove why we signed him. Yeah. You know, at midnight right away. But at the same point, Rashawn Holmes just five million dollars in expiring contract for next year. Uh, the Pacers, you know, they get out of the Turner deal right over there, and you know, you can play more of a traditional. You're not going too bigs right there. So I, I like that setup. But you know, moving on to your second trade. All right, so this is going to be one that you really like, and all of our Pacer fans out there that have been crying to get all three holidays on the same team. The Pacers received Drew Holiday, your boy, J.J. Redick. Wow. And and they get the ability to pick swap with the New Orleans Pelicans next year. The Pelicans receive both Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner. So, because I've heard that I've heard from people that they don't think Miles Turner is good enough to get Drew Holiday in return. I've also heard people say, "Why would I want to trade for an aging Drew Holiday for a young Miles Turner?" Now, I've noticed recently more so people are all on board on Miles for Drew. However, if that's not going to happen because they want something better in return, that's why you say, "Here, Oladipo wants to leave. Have have Oladipo. We'll take on JJ Redick, who's a free agent." next after next season so basically if you lose if you lose jj and they lose victor you still get drew for miles like we originally planned so and then the pacers would then would have the ability to uh pick swap with new orleans because if victor is fully healthy he's probably the best player in this but right now i think drew is then the pacers give up the second and third best player then the pacers get the aging jj reddick but that shooting would be unbelievable and you could play him in the starting lineup or off the bench. It'd be really fun to see him on the Pacers. It would be really fun to see him on the Pacers. Uh, I've wanted J.J. Reddick for quite some time. But going back to the trinity, the triangle of the Holiday Brothers, I think that that would be pretty awesome to see. At that point, you got to imagine 
Justin re-signs, right? How could you have the opportunity to play with both of your brothers? Yeah. So I'm thinking that he re-signs. Drew Holiday, I mean, contracts have changed big time. His remaining two years, they're at about $25 per year, which used to sound like a lot. But for the player that you're getting, another guy that I'm talking about, a fringe all-star, a guy where Drew Holiday is so widely respected around the league that it feels like he's so underrated. Mm-hmm. He could do so many things well that I feel like he would fit this Pacers team very well. Mm-hmm. He could play both sides of the ball, and I just feel like that would be a really good fit. And, you know, you're look, the Pacers can't afford to let anybody walk in free agency that is of an all-star caliber player. So it's not an option to let Oladipo walk at all. Uh, Miles Turner, it was believed that they had interest in Turner last year. Specifically, I believe they were dangling potentially the fourth overall pick. So I feel like the the, the interest is there for Miles Turner. And I feel like Oladipo is someone that would be, you know, maybe not much of a, you know, I don't want to say a drop off of any sort just because Drew Holiday has been familiar there. But they seem comparable. Yeah. So. If I can do that trade, I'm doing it. Uh, I feel like it's a pretty good deal. Both players, I imagine, are right around the same age. Uh, Drew Holiday, I think, just turned 30. So I would imagine Oladipo is probably, what, 29? Yeah. I feel like there's not really a difference there. So I like that deal because whatever new contract Oladipo is going to sign, it's going to be a big one. Yeah. It's going to be in the 30s. I feel like Drew Holiday seems like a player that – I think would be able to sign for less. Plus you're also getting an extra year out of that. So yeah, count me in. Yeah. And one thing you have to remember too, Fotch is that trade that was rumored. It was actually the fourth overall pick was going to go to the Atlanta Hawks because they had a lot of okay. interest in Deandre Hunter. And then mm-hmm. John Collins was going to come to the Pacers from Atlanta. And then we were going to ship miles to new Orleans. That's what, that's what the trade rumor was. If anybody's curious, so, yeah, there was no uh, Drew Holiday involved in that trade, and that's why the Pacers fans were like, well, we'll take Drew Holiday for Miles Turner in the 18th. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure what fans are wanting because I think a lot of people are divided on who they want to trade, if they want to trade anybody. So that's, uh, that's why. But I think Drew Holiday makes a lot of sense, especially if you're worried about Oladipo leaving. He can come in for the next couple of years. Now, I would say this. If you trade a Bo Turner and Oladipo, I would not start J.J. Redick with that starting lineup. I would probably, no. I would probably, with the roster they have now, I'd probably start Justin if they resigned him, um, put him at the three with uh, with TJ Warren, Sabonis, uh, Drew, and, and Malcolm. I think that'd be a really nice lineup, really big, pretty solid defensively all across the board. Um, of course, we know that Sabonis is not the rim protector that Miles is, but if you're pro- projecting starting five lineup, like I, I think that'd be pretty fun. Now, is it much better than, than what we had with Oladipo and Turner in that starting lineup? Probably not. So I don't know how much more uh, you're getting better in that deal. But it's a, it's it's a it's a lateral move, and it's it, it saves your butt from losing Oladipo for nothing. So anyway, yeah, that that's exactly that's where I want to hammer it in. Is guys on paper? Yes, we're probably giving up the bigger name in Oladipo and Miles Turner is obviously you know Pacer fans they're they're split on how they feel, but we obviously value him. Um, but you also got to think about the three years remaining on Miles Turner's deal and then the brand new max contract that Oladipo would sign if he stayed. He would be one of the highest paid players in the league 
So you're avoiding that contract. The Pacers probably don't bring back J.J. Reddick, but you get a good player in Drew Holiday. And for next year, you finally get a capable three-point shooter in J.J. Reddick. So uh, I like the trade on both sides. I could see how on paper it sounds like the Pacers are maybe giving up you know, some bigger names just where J.J. Reddick's at in his career. But Drew Holiday, do not sleep on him. He is a really good player. Absolutely. All right, Fachi. Um, Moving on to my last trade. It's not a home run trade, but I think if you really break it down, it's a pretty good deal. So in this trade, uh, I want to apologize because his name is being shopped left and right, but Miles Turner is being sent out from Indiana, uh, and the Pacers are bringing in my boy, Seth Curry, and Maxi Kleba. All right? So you're getting Seth Curry and Maxi Kleba. Now, the salaries, they match up. So it's actually a little bit uh, – the Patriots are actually sending out about $2.5 million more. So the, they can get crafty with that deal if it involves, you know, a, a, like a you know two-second-round picks or whatever you, whatever you need to do, a little throw in anything. Kleba, a lot of people haven't watched him as much. Guy averaged 9.2 points per game, 5.2 rebounds. Shot 46% from the field and 37% from three. Not going to blow anybody away, but he did it in four less minutes than Miles Turner for a fourth of the pay. Now, he is not the rim protector that Miles Turner is, but Maxi Kleba is a good player that's continuing to get better on a very friendly deal. He's got three years and $26 million left on his deal, and Seth Curry is an absolute bargain. Three years, $24 million remaining. You're talking about two players that are going to total $16 million while Miles Turner is making $18 million. It's yeah. an opportunity for the Pacers to be able to get better, get two players that can really strengthen their bench and have them play a more traditional starting lineup. Um, it's not a home run deal, but I think that it's a deal that both guys are capable three-point shooters. I've already talked about how it slept on that Seth Curry is the number two most accurate three-point shooter of all time and a guy who I think needs a bigger role. Um, so what do you think over here? Max Cicleba and Seth Curry for Miles Turner? Yep. I like it. Um, I don't know if Dallas would do it because Max Cicleba has been really important to their team. He has. And it was really interesting because I don't know if you saw this, but during the first round of the playoffs, he was guarding Kawhi Leonard some of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's unique. Um, you'd have two unicorns in a sense next to each other, and Chris Stops and Miles. Um, not sure how those two would work together, um, because Maxi Kleba's contract basically said you have to shoot so many threes, right? So <laughs> I think there was like I think he lost money because he shot uh, didn't shoot enough or something like that, or he had too many shots close to the basket. So it was just like kind of funny how they had built in that kind of contract to you know incentives to make him shoot outside more so i like maxi kleba a lot definitely underrated seth curry of course like you talked about historic year this year shooting the ball and you know these are these are good role players and i'm not sure how kleba and sabonis would fit together i'm not sure if you would start kleba or not or bring him off the bench i don't know if you put both curry in the starting lineup or bring him off the bench i'm not sure what you're thinking in this deal but it's just I mean, you got to see what's out there, and if this is a trade the Pacers like, I mean, nobody liked the Oladipo and Sabonis for Paul George trade, so maybe this is a bit of a sleeper move that uh, with the right coach and the right modern style of play, this might help the team. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. It wouldn't be something that I would just be slamming the button down for uh, to accept no. it, but it's uh, not a home it, run. It, 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 not it a makes home run. it makes you think. That's for sure. 
Yes, exactly. Two players I think that can get the Pacers to they can both players I think can get better at a very reasonable cost to allow the team as a whole to get better. Yep. I agree, Fachi. I agree. So are you ready for my last trade? Bring it on. All right. So I wasn't gonna do this, but I was thinking about it and I got uh you know, I got some help from some of you guys on Twitter throwing out some names and so here is mine and I, I will let you uh give your thoughts on this Fachi. So the Pacers are gonna receive Zach Levine, Lori Markinen, and our boy Thad Young for Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo. Do you like that trade? Man, that is a lot of Bulls players, but you know, for Thad Young, obviously you got a guy that's a fan favorite, good player. Lori Markinen is honestly someone who I believed in, and I know his numbers are down. Chicago is not developing anybody. And Zach Levine, I, I think, is a player right now that is just getting buckets left and right. So I do like the deal. I do. I don't. I, I love Thad. I don't love the Thad contract, but Zach Levine's a stud. Lloyd Marketing, I, I feel like, is maybe like, you know, he's like a softer Miles Turner. He's never going to be a defender like that. But uh, but I feel like there's some similarities in the offensive side of the game. Uh, I like the deal. I like it. Yeah. Uh, man, that. The Thad Young contract is, I feel like that's like the tipping scale, but if Oladipo's walking, I feel like we're getting three players that we can play every single night that can perform. Well, that's the thing, and I think Thad would understand, hey, if he comes back, his role's going to be different. So Yeah, and, exactly, and, exactly. And he doesn't have to worry about McMillan loving him, right? Because if they bring a modern style of coaching, Thad's not going to be getting a ton of minutes, right? No, um, he's no. not. He's not a three-point shooter, but he's a really good defender, so... You have that person that you can throw out there to defend. I mean, look what he did to Kevin Love in the playoffs two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was. It was really impressive. I mean, he took Kevin Love completely out of the game. Oh, yeah. His contract's only like $13 million, I believe. So it's, it's not. Like, it's like $13 million. I want to say, I'm about to look it up. I want to say that third year isn't fully guaranteed. I'll look it up too because I'm curious. Which that that could tip the scale at that point, and, you know, and not not that I'd want to send the man packing or anything, you know, a, a guy who was even nice enough to come on the show. But I feel like it, yeah. if that contract is not as guaranteed, then it becomes a, a, a trade chip. So I think mm-hmm. that that would be uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, I got so it. So 2021, only six million yeah. is guaranteed. That makes it very appealing. Oh yeah, and I mean it's only he got twelve point nine this year. It's thirteen point five next year, and then fourteen point one the following year. But that's like you said, only six million dollars guaranteed. So you could easily trade that, and um, you know even if you eat it for one year, if you decide not to bring him back and you have some cap space. But just thinking about Thad Young, what he means to this culture. The Pacers have talked about culture. Bring him back, play him off the bench. You know they don't have a great power forward um, with the bench. We we saw that you know. Jakar Sampson was their backup center for crying out loud. So I mean, if you can get Thad Young just to play some minutes, right, I would be totally okay with that. Um, you probably start marketing Nexus a bonus, which would be really gross on the uh, defensive side of things. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like I don't even know if I would do that. But I just – I hate to say it, but right now I would say Zach Levine is the best player out of these five players mentioned he, just, be- he just is. because Oladipo is not healthy. But, I mean – uh, it's uh, people don't want to hear that, but I mean, if look at who he once was, then you don't do this trade. But if Vic's on the way out, and you can basically Turner for marketing and Thad Young and Victor for Zach Levine, I think it makes a lot of sense. You get that go-to guy that can be a scorer. He's not afraid of the moment. He's had a lot of 
really clutch shots whenever I've seen him play with Chicago. You pair him with Brogdon, Warren, and Sabonis, so that's a really good team. You figure out who you put in that starting lineup. Even if you go a little bit small, put Aaron in the starting lineup, I don't even know what they would do. But, yeah, I mean, that, that definitely gives you options, and it's not like you can't go out and trade Markkanen or or Thad Young either. You know, you could end up trading those two guys and get something a little bit more in return than you could for Miles possibly just because of Markkanen's youth and um, his ability. But, yeah, Thad Young, 31 years old this year. He'll be 32 next year, 33. So, I mean, it's really not that bad of a deal personally. So I'm, I'm intrigued by it. It's not the greatest move, but um, it's intriguing because I just – not sure what the paces are going to get with these guys, right? No, I mean, like just when you talked about before that original Paul George deal, I mean, we thought the Pacers got robbed initially when they got Sabonis and Oladipo. At least in this, you know, instance, Zach Levine's a guy who puts up twenty-five points per game. He actually, coming off a career year, and each of the next two years, nineteen and a half million dollars. That's a bargain in today's NBA for a guy giving you twenty-five points per game. So. I like it. I think that Laurie, Laurie Markkinen is better than the coaching staff they put around him in Chicago. None of those top 10 picks have panned out. So I feel like that's a guy who needs a change of scenery. I really liked him his rookie year. Thad Young, you're obviously going to get a, a true veteran there that I feel like can help the team um, in any which way possible. And then, at, you know, at the worst, that contract is, uh, is, a, is an appealing trade chip in that final year. Well, let me ch- let me change this up for you now, Foch, just to get your because I just thought about this. My guy Aaron Gordon just came to my mind when I saw Zach Levine's name. Obviously, yeah, right? boy. So mm-hmm. you could do a three-team trade where Turner and Victor go to uh, Chicago, right? The Pacers get Zach Levine. Chicago sends Markinen and Thad Young, and the Pacers throw a pick in there to Orlando, and the Pacers get Aaron Gordon. So now you're looking at Brogdon. Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, T.J. Warren, and DeMontis Sabonis. Now that's a five I could I could get behind right there. I like it. We're taking a big hit defensively. I feel what like, you know. Aaron Gordon well, is a great I mean, defender. What are you talking about? He, he's 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 good. I mean, obviously Oladipo and Miles Turner. You can make an argument are our top two defenders. Oladipo you know? not now. Did you see him in the playoffs? Well, yeah, I couldn't I mean, guard anybody. Yes, I know, I know, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> and I hope that that changes. Um, obviously, you know, you're, you're a big time Aaron Gordon guy. He's better than Lori Markkinen and Thad Young. Yes, he is. He is better for that. Okay. So in that instance, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think I'd probably be on board with that. I'm just not the biggest Aaron Gordon guy. I'm just not. No, but I mean, I'm I'm talking, if you're getting Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon for Miles Turner and and Miles Turner and, and, uh, Victor Oladipo, that's a lot better than what you're going to get anywhere else. Yes. I, I, I definitely agree that that's better than what you're going to get anywhere else. So yeah. in that instance, it, it would be hard It'd be hard to, uh, to pass up. But what I need to ask you, is Aaron Gordon going to get better, or is this exactly who he is? I think he needs to be in a different system. There's no doubt about it. I think, or I think, yeah, next, I mean, I don't think anyone's thriving in Orlando other than Vucevic. Well, and so no, no I offense, could agree with that. No offense to Vucevic, but he's not as mobile as Sabonis. And, oh yeah. You know, one thing if even if Sabonis and um, Aaron don't play great together, like the Pacers didn't play great with him and Miles together, they played better when they staggered their minutes. So maybe you stagger their minutes like that because I've I've heard from multiple people that Aaron Gordon's really good at playmaking, running the offense through him. So that could stun him. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he's a really good defender. 
I mean, I just I just like his athleticism. Basically, what I was trying to do here in this trade was get the Pacers some legit athleticism because they don't have a ton of it. Victor was their most athletic guy before he got hurt, and and you miss that. And I think that Levine and Aaron Gordon could really bring that to the team. Obviously, this is all just talking. You know, we're just making a big deals and stuff. But mm-hmm. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely think that you're going to get a better Aaron Gordon playing in a different system with different players because the guards on my uh, Orlando suck. They just they're awful. They do, and, and they're they've got a decent front court. But if you can get really good guards, like imagine Levine and Brogdon getting things set up for for backdoor screens for. Uh, for Aaron Gordon to get lob pass from these guys. I mean, it'd be, uh, be great. It'd be so much fun. Uh, I mentioned a while back, I can't even remember the last alley-oop on the Pacers. It just doesn't happen. There's <laughs> just it, it, it just doesn't happen at all. I don't know. Like, you're not going to throw an alley-oop to Sabonis. Like, it's just not going to happen like that. But what I like is Aaron Gordon, still very young, 24, 25 years old. Um, the contract actually decreases in value, which is another tipping scale. $18 million, then down to 16 in the final year. So, you know, I, I'd much rather, if the question was posed, who would you rather have the production of, you know, Aaron Gordon or Thad Young in that situation? I'm definitely going Aaron Gordon there for sure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, Fachi. Well, let's take a quick break. We've got Keith Smith from Yahoo Sports coming on to talk all things NBA and the Pacers, what they should be doing uh, going forward, what he thinks they could be doing going forward. So we'll be right back with Keith Smith. We'll talk to you all a little bit. All right, everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to Setting the Pace. Joining us right now is the one and only Key Smith from Yahoo Sports. Key, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Hope you're doing well. We are doing well. And I just I just want to start things off here. Obviously, the playoffs are going on. We'll get to that in a little bit. But Indiana Pacers, they get swept by the Miami Heat. And, you know, just a couple of days after they return home, Nate McMillan is relieved of his duties and fired as head coach of the Pacers. A bit of a shock because he was given an extension about two weeks previous to that. So when that all went down as uh, as the Pacers let go of Nate McMillan, what were your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, I was a little surprised because of the extension, as you called out. But then I think it was just another sweep. I, I think that's ultimately what did him in. I, I, I think had they won a game or two, I think maybe it would have gone differently. But it, it's it's hard to bring a coach back well, when, when you have another sweep. And I know they – uh, I don't know that I want to say they retracted it, but I know they at least felt bad about putting his playoff record in the uh, press release about letting him go. But that clearly tells you that's how they felt. They they felt like, all right, maybe this is a guy who's just getting it done in the regular season and in the playoffs, he's just not good enough. Yeah, it was an interesting note to put the sweet uh, the the playoff record in there. I mean, we all knew what it was. So not the best look for the Pacers, but. You know, sweep is never good. No matter how close a sweep is, it's the last thing you want. However, do you look at the that sweep a little bit differently now, based on what the Heat's doing to the Bucks? Does it make that Pacer sweep feel any less of a sweep, or, or no, Keith? Um, maybe a little bit. I don't want to go too crazy that the the Pacers are, or sorry, the Heat are quite that good. I mean, they're they're very good, clearly. So I think you feel a little bit differently about it. But I still think if you're Indiana, you would have hoped that you would have been able to be more competitive in those games and get at least a win. 
Yeah, and I really think that Miami took their game up another level when they played Milwaukee. I feel like they've been playing a lot better, and um, they love that challenge too because nobody picked them to beat the beat the Bucks. I mean, the majority didn't. So, um, Keith, I got to ask you though. There's been a couple rumblings of who the next Pacers head coach could be or who they have interest in interviewing. I should say, Mike D'Antoni obviously came uh, directly after the the Pacers fired Nate McMillan, and then. Recently, the Miami Heat beat said that Dan Craig was interviewing for the position as um, head coach for the Pacers. So looking at all these candidates that are out there right now, is there anybody in mind that you think would be a good fit in Indiana? Yeah, I'd be curious to see what D'Antoni could do uh-huh. with that group. I, I think you would have to commit to letting him play his style, which is obviously going small. But I, I think the, the Pacers have interesting pieces to be able to do that. I think you would see um, basically everybody slide up a position, probably Aaron Holiday maybe move in as the starting point guard. And then one of the two of Sabonis and Turner, my guess would be Turner, is probably on the move because it's just not going to work to put one on the bench because then you're talking you know 20 minutes a night maybe uh, of play playing time and that just doesn't really work for what those guys are so I, I think that'd be interesting there just because of the pieces but my worry would be then what happens if a year from from then you don't have Victor Oladipo anymore and now are you kind of you know restarting on the fly when you just restarted again so so I, I think they're probably going to look for a coach who's maybe a little more uh, long term somebody who might be there for for a little while their their MO has been in the past to generally you know it seems like um go after names more than it is uh you know a young up-and-comer um so that'll be interesting but they did you know bring in frank vogel um at once upon a time there and vogel did a very good job with that team so so i'm not entirely sure you know which way they go it's it's going to be interesting i think the challenge right now is there's so many jobs open Mm -hmm. that i think the very best guys are you know kind of making it known hey i'm i'm interested and then you know depending on what it looks like d'antoni He's probably going to be let go by the Rockets, and then we'll see what happens with Budenholzer in Milwaukee. But if he gets let go, that's another couple good coaches that are on the market too. So I think it's going to be kind of flooded with good coaches. It's definitely going to be exciting. I mean, basketball taking place at this point in the year, I mean, you're usually already in free agency, you know, starts in July. So it's just very, um, very actually, the new season would basically be starting up next month. So we're all out of wax, but when you talk about the Pacers in the offseason, there's so many names that are question marks. I mean, we just mentioned, are both bigs going to be back next year? There's the Oladipo situation. Who do you think is more likely to get moved this offseason? Is it Victor Oladipo or is it one of Sabonis or Turner? Because uh, two centers, it's not ideal, but the Pacers still want to make it work. But you got Vic also going into his uh, you know his contract year. So, it's tough, but who, what's your thoughts on that, Keith? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I am not entirely sure on that. I think it's. I don't think Sabonis is going anywhere. Um, it's. It, I know his contract only runs out one year longer than Turner's does, but I think that one year longer does matter. Uh, I think that is important. So they've got him through the 2023-24 uh, season, whereas Turner is up at the end of the 22-23 season. So that'll be, you know, I, I think that does matter. Now, maybe that matters. You could get a slightly better package with that, but I would say it's more likely one of Turner or Oladipo goes. And the only reason I say with Oladipo is, 
clearly, you know, $21 million, it's a very tradable number, can bring back either a very good player in the form of one player or can bring back several players in the form of if you, you know, take on two or three guys and more of a depth type of move. And then with the injury history and the fact that he's a free agent after this upcoming season, I think that factors in pretty heavily. But I think a lot of that's going to depend on the coaching hire, which direction you're going there. Like you said, you go with a D'Antoni, you're probably moving one of Turner or so bonus because you don't really need both of those guys that starts to become a little bit of a luxury you're probably looking for maybe a more win now point guard type of player somebody who fits a little bit better in d'antoni's system and then everybody else slides up a position and off you go or if you go with a coach that's maybe a little more all right we're going to be a little more traditional and we're good to play the two bigs then maybe you do start thinking all right well maybe it is time to move on from oladipo and i think one of the other factors with victor oladipo especially since maybe you're making a little more of a um well, what's it going to mean in the in the more immediate time is Jeremy Lamb. Who knows when he would have been back if the season had been normal mm-hmm. um, due to the the injury. But now, you know, maybe he gets back, you know, and can play the bulk of next season because of how long uh, things have dragged out with the pause and then um, everything, you know, getting pushed back next year. So so maybe that factors in as well as saying, all right, hey, we can still put a really competitive guy in there at the two guard spot and feel pretty good about it. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you one more like off-season type question just because I want to wrap this conversation up. But I know that um, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Victor Oladipo are both going to be free agents in 2021, and there's been a lot of rumors about Miami being interested in both of them. Um, I've heard some things that you know Oladipo is willing to take a pay cut and do a sign-in trade. But you know, there's also interest in uh, uh, Giannis is going to be you know the top of everybody's list and. One of those teams that could be interested in him is the Toronto Raptors, who have a ton of cap space with Ibaka and Gasol being free agents this year. And then after next year, you're going to have uh, Kyle Lowry off the books as well. So I'm just curious. Fred Van Vliet is a free agent as well. He's somebody that I really like and I think would be a good, interesting piece to go after for the Pacers if they could figure out a sign-and-trade. Do you think Van Vliet is uh, gettable for uh, the right price, or do you think that Toronto is going to lock him up uh, knowing what their future looks like. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, his uh, free agency, Fred Van Vliet, is, is absolutely fascinating because you have teams like the Knicks and the Pistons who both would absolutely love to have him in there. They, they've had long-time holes at the point guard spot, and he would basically slot in there. And I think both of them would be willing to throw him pretty close to a max contract offer because, what you know, I, I said this the other day on Twitter and a bunch of people were like, but he's not a max player. And it's like, but it's not really about that. It's about what can you get? And then if that's what you can get, um, that's that's the first part. And then if you're a team trying to get a guy, you always, always have to overpay him to get the guy to change teams. So then you've got the Raptors side because I'm sure Van Vliet is going to go back and say, all right, this is the offer I have. You know, well, what do you guys want to do? I'd rather be here if you can match it or at least come close. And then if you're the Raptors, you're starting to think, oh, you know, boy, that starts to get a little a little tricky there because you're going to have Pascal Siakam under contract for around $30 million or so um, in that year. You want to have a max slot for Giannis in the um, offseason of 2021. I'm probably going to say summer a couple times because my, that's just how my brain works. <laughs> um, but but we'll, we'll see. You know, I don't know how I, I don't think I'll ever get out of that. Um, but but you, you want to have that. So you really don't know if you want to have Van Vliet, you know, also around 30 million. So that's going to be the interesting um, kind of play there for those guys is, you know, what 
does this do? You know, how do we make this work? Because I, I think that's going to be the, the the give and take. Van Vliet's certainly going to have offers. Now, for the Pacers, if you're talking about maybe moving Oladipo and then they've got Oladipo um, in that spot and then the, the Raptors can pitch um, Giannis to say, hey, we've already got Oladipo now. You know, what do you think about coming here and those kind of things? That starts to get a lot more reasonable and easier to pull off trade-wise mm-hmm. because you, you can just you know make that straight trade there. So that, that's interesting. I don't know that I love Van Vliet and Brogdon together. I, I, I just I don't know that you have enough defense there, I think Van Vliet and Lowry works because Lowry is, for all that he's 6'1", he plays like he's about 6'5 or 6'6", um, and he's such a, you know, all all NBA all defense level guy so right. so I think that is important so I don't I, I just I worry a little bit I also worry with Brogdon's health level there they, they you're really banking a lot on him uh, being there and then then if he's not now you're talking um, Aaron Holiday and Van Vliet is your backcourt or or you're relying on Jeremy Lamb to come back and be healthy so that starts to get interesting but that that'd be a lot of money locked up locked up in the guard line for the Pacers if if you got Van Vliet because even come sign and trade he's gonna want you know that max or near max deal mm-hmm. I see a max for Van Vliet. I feel like being an undrafted player, I mean, he's really, you know, worked his way up to this moment. So I don't think he's taken much of a discount. I feel like the Knicks are written all over that. But to transition over to the bubble in general, you know, we're seeing some interesting play right now, some highly competitive games, but also some times where teams kind of come out flat. Like, for instance, the Bucks, uh, the Lakers, even the Clippers – Keith, how much of a difference do you think the layoff has been for these teams that were so good in the regular season that now, you know, are looking very wishy-washy on uh, any given night? I think the layoff is that's over and done with. I think now what you're seeing with these teams coming out flat, I think when, when it's the Clippers, I think the Clippers very much believe we have a switch. We'll flip it when we're ready, and uh, that's all we need to do. And they're they're not uh, concerned about that. We saw that in, in last night's game. We're recording on a, on a Tuesday here on Monday night when they played the Nuggets. The Nuggets kind of pushed them around and did what they wanted to do for basically three quarters plus. And then the Clippers were like, all right, let's get serious. They locked in for about eight, nine minutes, and then they won that game. And I think for the Clippers, that's what they're doing. And then I think for the other teams, what happens is um, the coaches have said this over over again brad stevens of the celtics says this regularly is you have to bring your own energy you have to make your own noise the bench has to be loud guys have to be engaged guys have to be lifting other guys to, to get things going because otherwise you're you, you just don't have that fan presence the virtual fans that only does so much now there are family members in the bubble they can only do so much so you really need your bench kind of making a ton of noise and, and being up and loud and i think the teams that are doing a little bit better you're seeing that those benches are engaged and they're going crazy from from play to play and i think that really is important well i'm curious because i felt like this raptor celtic series was going to be the best series of the entire playoffs even you know uh better than the conference finals and finals just because i love how these two teams match up and we, we saw toronto hit that huge game uh three game uh, a, a tie or game winning three by og and anobi in game three to make that series more competitive and you know i'm just curious because Obviously, Boston won Game Five, and and you know Nick Nurse came out and didn't really call out Pascal Siakam. He just answered a question about him, and I think people were kind of blowing it up on Twitter. What were your thoughts a on his reaction to or his response to the question about 
uh, Pascal Siakam, and what do you think, or who do you think has been the most impressive team in this entire NBA playoffs? Yeah, uh, for the first part on Siakam, I think um, Nick Nurse was honest. They need more out of him. He he can't just be kind of out there. And there's unfortunately been in too many games, he he hasn't been the all-star, all-NBA-level guy that they need. He's just been kind of, he gets in foul trouble by committing stupid fouls, um, you know, to to put it really kind of bluntly. And then he just isn't giving them the impact that they need on the um defensive end and offensively he's settling for far too way far too many jump shots and then he's taking way too long to get into things when he goes inside it's just playing right into boston's hands it's exactly the player they want him to be so they certainly need more out of him the the most impressive team um it's hard to go against miami I think they have been, you know, they swept the Pacers. They were on the verge of sweeping the Bucks. Bucks needed an overtime win just to extend that series. We'll see if it, Miami can finish them off uh, here on Tuesday. So we'll see, you know, what that looks like. Um, and then I think Boston's right behind them. I know Boston's 3-2 with Toronto, and I wouldn't bet against the Raptors just yet. But I think the Celtics have done such a good job of being able to really lock in and say, you know, hey, this is what we're going to do. These, these are the things that we're going to do, um, you know, against you. The, these are how we're going to play you. And this is how we're going to, um, you know, do this. And I think, you know, the Celtics blew mountain game one. Game two was closer. Game three, you can argue Boston should have won. Game four, Boston played terribly and was still in it with about 30 seconds to go. And then they blew them out in game five. And I think it's just proven that Celtics, for whatever reason, are just a matchup nightmare for Toronto because I think they have long, quick, strong defenders. And the Raptors can't kind of bully their way on both ends like they're used to. I don't think enough people are talking about the Celtics right now. I think they look like a dangerous team. I wanted no part of that matchup. I was I was one of the few that said I wanted the Heat, and I still regret that. But <laughs> there really was not many other options, so I don't know what I was going to do there. But you know, going back to the Bucks real quick, uh, you know, it, it's going to be near impossible to overcome a three zero deficit. So looking at that roster, I mean, Chris Middleton is signed to a large deal. Eric Bledsoe got his extension, I believe. Brooke Lopez re-upped as well. Um, you know, Giannis going into a contract year, if they go down in five games, I don't know if that team really has much of the luxury to get better. Where do the Bucks go from here if they're out in round two? Yeah, it's going to be a real challenge for them. Now, what I will say is I – People say all the time, you know, and they're saying it right now with Giannis is, you know, Giannis is going to look at that future cap sheet. I have not met a player yet that has looked at a cap sheet. They don't. That, that's not their their thing. They, they have a general understanding of we're locked into this roster or we're not. But I think most players realize, like, hey, if I come back and I tell the GM, you know, I want X, Y, and Z gone, if I'm that big of a star – guess what? X, Y, and Z are going to be gone, and we're going to be be moving on to something different. Now, from John Horst's side as the Bucks GM, yeah, it's tough because as you look next year, they, they are you know really committed to some big high-dollar salaries, um, and that's before re-signing guys like Pat Connaughton um, or Marvin Williams, Kyle Korver, maybe all those guys come back for the minimum, and you're fine, but then you're right around the luxury tax again, so that starts to be be tricky because that's going to you know impact how much you can change and improve this team. They don't have their draft pick because that pick went to the Celtics, so you're not going to really get any help that way. So in and then when you look around at that roster, who's trading for these guys? 
Chris Middleton would bring you a ton of trade, but he's an all-star for you. So you're not going to move on from him. Brooke Lopez, he he got what he got paid, which is, an, is, is not an absurd amount. It's average about $13 million or so over the next three years. But he got paid that because he fits there so well. George Hill, he's paid fine for you know a backup combo guard. Eric Bledsoe, that's an overpay. No one's going to take that contract on. Um, so that's where it starts to become a problem is, you know, well, what are the moves? I think the Bucs are really kind of stuck in this. And what I start to wonder is, is there a point if Giannis gives them a signal of, you know, I'm not going to sign a, a Supermax extension. It almost goes the, the Kawhi Leonard route where, you know, I'm not going to do that. Do they look at it and say, you know what, we got to move him? where we have to move him a year early so that he doesn't walk away from us and leave us, you know, with nothing, which would be such a massive blow to the Bucks fans. Or do you just convince yourself, all right, he's not going to go anywhere. I believe we can right this ship. Maybe if we get in a different coach, I think that's the most likely change they'll make. We can, uh, you know, move this thing forward and then keep him uh, down the line because I think that's the, the moves you're kind of looking at uh, if you're Milwaukee. All right, Keith, my last question here for you. Um, I picked Toronto versus the Clippers in the NBA Finals once the re- restart happened, and obviously I'm a little bit nervous about that Toronto pick. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there's been so many good teams here. So I just got to ask you what you've seen from the bubble. Who do you think is going to make the NBA Finals, and who is your uh, champion that you predicted to win at all? Yeah, so I picked Clippers over Bucks um, uh, before the season. Then I switched it to Bucks over Clippers uh, before the playoffs, just because I felt like Milwaukee was was playing that well. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll own that. My 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 uh, Bucks picks probably not going to be alive much longer. There, I still feel good about the Clippers. I st- now I'm, I'm leaning towards Clippers over Celtics. I think the Clippers. They have figured it out as they've kind of gone along here in the bubble of you know who they are, what they need to do, who they need to be, how they need to play. And I think that's made all the difference. So I'm going to stick with that for now um, because I just think that they're playing the best basketball. Looking forward to it, Keith. I want to thank you for coming on. I definitely appreciate it. And, uh, hey, let's uh, let's continue this great playoff basketball that we're witnessing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's been been the best part, right? It is just how good the playoffs have been because it's been, you know, re- really a lot of fun. I think, you know, everybody's really competing, and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the rest of the way this plays out over the next, uh, let's call it maybe month or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, about a good five weeks, I think. So, hey, the best is yet ahead. That's it. All right, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you guys can follow so. Keith on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. We'll be right back. Alrighty, everybody, that does it for another episode here of Setting the Pace. We hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. I'm at Alex Golden MBA and Fachi's at underscore FACCI. And we will talk to you all next week. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.